Welcome to Next Steps, the podcast. So Citywide Church's podcast, and this is the Tuesday edition where we talk about the sermon from last weekend. Uh, we get the speaker to share a bit more of what they were hoping to get across and some things that they couldn't fit in. Uh, so we go a bit further. Uh, so, but as we start off um, the next podcast, we'd just like to acknowledge um, that the and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. We also pay respect past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. So this morning we've got Emily and Matt and myself. Um, Matt and I weren't able to make the actual physical church service yesterday because we're self-isolating for seven days, probably for no reason, maybe for no reason, (laughs) but we're doing what we need to do. we had an elders retreat the day before on Saturday where on Sunday morning someone <laughs> triggered the alarm uh, with, with the big red line. So, yeah, so we're, so you'll notice that we're not in our church office, we're at home. So I'm actually, it feels almost reminiscent of, you know, 2019, 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it feels a lot like that. Anyway, Emily and Matt, welcome along. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we should give an obligatory wave, I think. Everyone wave. And uh, <laughs> this is fantastic on the audio version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You missed it. Um, we've started a new series, um, which is going to last quite a long while on the teaching of Jesus. We're starting um, after the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at his other teachings. We did Sermon on the Mount a couple of years ago. And so we're looking at the four other teachings of Christ through through the book of Matthew in particular. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, so yesterday we were looking, we started out by talking about vulnerability. Um, and I wanted to read one quote, and then Matt, I'll throw over to you uh, just to talk through this vulnerability stuff. So you you quoted um, Bren, Brandon Brown. I don't know how to say Bren. Bren. Yeah, Renee. And it says, our rejection of vulnerability often stems from our association, associating it with dark emotions like fear, shame, grief, sadness, and disappointment. Emotions that we don't want to discuss, even when they profoundly affect the way we live, love, work, and even lead. What most of us fail to understand, and what took me a decade of research to learn, is that vulnerability is also the cradle of the emotions. Uh, and experiences that we crave. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, and accountability and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. Mm. So that's from a book called Daring Greatly. So Matt, I reckon half your sermon was about vulnerability. And uh, Emily, before he kicks in, how would you define vulnerability? Oh, goodness. Um, Vulnerability, I guess, is being open, authentic, real and honest about the, the good times and the tough times of life with one another to have authentic, real community, I think. Yeah, that's good. I think if I went out into the general workplace, 
often vulnerability would also when you could use the word weakness interchangeably. Mm. And, and I think that's what Renee is actually saying here is it's, it's so Matt, I'll let you take it from there. I think how does vulnerability work in, in this work in setting? Yeah, well, it really struck me on Palm Sunday. Like, I, I'd only recently realized that the palms came from uh, Judas Maccabeus a couple hundred years earlier, the big revolution. And when they were waving the palms, what they were saying is, Jesus, come and overpower the Romans. And he cries and says, if only you knew what actually brings peace. And and I, I think that's the, the the tension for all of it. Like, we want to win life by overpowering it. Like we want to we want to be stronger, cooler, richer, more powerful, and every have everybody like us. And there's this paradox out of life that it's actually uh, vulnerability that is the key to the kingdom, uh, and that's a theme right the way through. And I heard a, a saying. Uh, like, and, uh, I had a, an author I was listening to who said, a whole lot of us want Jesus' life without adopting his lifestyle because his lifestyle is all about a cross. It's all about vulnerability. It's all about uh, being willing to give up yourself for the sake of others and for, for God. And and, uh, and this, this kind of builds on where where Emily uh, got us thinking last week. I mean, it, works, it directly does. I mean, Em, I, I, you you said something like, I, I don't know if we could have a healthy, like a healthy relationship in a, in a group of, or fit, you, you listed off a few things, and, and, the, and, and without it being vulnerable. And I just, I just don't think it's possible. But I also don't think we, I, I don't think we, uh, know how uh, I, th well, I think we, we was talking about it this last week I, I think we get taught not to be vulnerable in school like if you get picked on if you're vulnerable uh, we get taught not to be vulnerable in our workplaces you get fired if you're vulnerable like you, we get taught not to be vulnerable we live in a society that does not prize vulnerability but we follow a God that says this is how you do life and 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 actually um this is this is dying to yourself is the 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 key to life so so it's it's big i i also i don't like this bit of matthew chapter 10 i i, my, I have i i notice in me i don't know how to name it but sort of like yucky feelings <laughs> that's my very um, adept emotional language there. Um, as I think about, you know, what he's saying, go, get, don't take any money, go trust yourself to people. You're going to get rejected. You're going to have people persecute you. And it's part of me going, no, no I don't want to do that. <laughs> and like that, the thought of what he's talking about in Matthew chapter 10 makes me feel uncomfortable. So there's other stuff to talk about, but I guess that was kind of the intro, uh, sort of getting my head into, okay, what does this actually mean and the paradox of it all? But this is, this is key. This is actually the, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to have the courage to be vulnerable. 
Because it's pretty interesting that that plan of attack in Matthew chapter 10 is not how I would go about mission, I don't think. I, um, I wouldn't go door knocking looking for someone who was a good person to connect with and staying there for a while and then heading off somewhere else. It, it's interesting because if I was planning to spread the word, well, in, in my experience, it would be earning the right to be heard, which, which takes years of being relevant and loving and serving. It, you know, it's, it's about digging into the local community and really getting to know it. And so this is an interesting um, way of reaching out. Look, it really is. And, and I, I actually think there's a genius to it, and that's why we avoid it, uh, in that intentionally he's telling the disciples to go and put yourself in a place where you're needy. Uh, and, and that people need to look after you and where you're in someone's debt. That, I, I don't know if you can get more countercultural than that. Mm. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a good challenge for me, this one, how to do mission. I, I often um, yeah, discredit this kind of mission, I think. Like when when, I, when the J Dubs walk past my house and, and knock in or things like that, I feel like it's different to the J Dubs. I feel, I feel yeah. like what Jesus it, it is different to door knocking. Uh, I I think it's I think there's something. My picture is that they go to the synagogue or the town centre and they look for. They say, okay, God, show us the right person, and and they say, is it okay for us to come and stay with you? So they come and do life with them for a period of days rather than go and knock on their door and say, can we talk to you about something? Mm. Yeah. So it's that doing life with them thing. I think that's key. I, I think that, and that is, that is actually, I think, that's what I, the, um, the quote from um, uh, Henry Nguyen and the mm. idea that you, you've got to let your life and your values bump up against someone else and that's actually how hospitality works yeah so i'll read that quote now so by no one he says um when we want to be really hospitable we not only have to receive strangers but also confront them by an unambiguous presence not hiding ourselves behind neutrality but showing our ideals uh, our ideas our opinions and lifestyle clearly and distinctly no real dialogue is possible between somebody and a nobody. We can enter into communication with the other only when our own life choices, attitudes and viewpoints offer the boundaries that challenge strangers to become aware of their own position and to explore it critically. Mm. And so I, I think Jesus is encouraging his followers to go into the towns and let people see their lives, not... I think the difference is if you go and knock on someone's door and tell them ideas, you can put on a, a show, you can put on a be religious. But Jesus is saying, no, go, go and live with them. Let them let them see you in your worst moments. Uh, mm -hmm. Let them let them let them get to know you, and as they get to know you, they'll get to know God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, in that point, they really are vulnerable. Yeah, I think that only. The coping mechanism they have is if it's if it doesn't work out, just move on, brush the dust off your feet, 
or yeah. even later on it says go for a run <laughs> get a get away and then start again yeah. but basically just place yourself at their mercy yeah I mean in, in this at this time Jesus has been walking around a lot of these towns healing people healing everyone who comes we talked about that last week and so there would have been a lot of interest and gossip or um your grapevine would have been buzzing there's two analogies together but um they, they would have been really um interested and in, in wondering what's going on and so seeing these guys come would have been quite significant i think yeah how do you bounce off this stuff Emma? i'm just sitting here thinking in a nutshell to me um being evangelistic is relational like yeah we can't just walk up and act like we know what we're talking about it's by having that relationship and having people see how we cope through grief and hardships and just the challenges of everyday life and I think that's the reason that Jesus was sent so that we could see that he was human and he had to suffer the same way that we have to suffer and go through trials and even more so because we don't really crucify people these days I hope Um, but he had to go through some insane stuff being part human, part the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So I think reflecting the Spirit and how we just do our everyday stuff is how people can see that light in us. Yeah, absolutely. I've just hmm. been going through a, um, a process of uh, reading through my old journals and realising how how messy my internal world is uh, and, and how easy, much easier it is uh, to turn, especially when I was younger, getting a bit better now, but certainly when I was younger, and, and but still now, it's a lot easier to put on the face and, and be on, than, than actually, like if someone was living with me all the time, uh, I think, I think they get a very different picture, which is interesting. Like, well, I think I'm hoping I'm growing a bit, but certainly when I was younger, uh, it's a different kind of thing, inviting people into your life, not just into your theology or program or that kind of thing. And by the way, I guess winter is Christ. Just... He's beautiful. So I'm not sure if we've got a time bit of delay on Matt's line. I know. I think it's working okay. Good. It might. So, so um, I, I was wanting Dan to talk about this. There's a diagram I I didn't get to show uh, and talk about. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind throwing that up if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is it. Uh, and now we're all sort of hiding behind the diagram. Um, it's uh, called an onion skin diagram. You can see it's sort of around the point. Grace's head's down there. For those who are listening, you've got no idea what we're talking about. And me throwing up a diagram like this is not particularly helpful. So I'll do my best to to describe it for those who are listening. Uh, it is uh, really three circles, one with a very thick layer. Uh, and what it what it's kind of wanting to show, and they're sort of inside each other like an onion skin. Um, and so on the outside circle is the phony presenting self. It's it's the default 
mask you wear when you walk into a group or into a uh, into a, a room normally. Then just between that and the the next layer is uh, the next layer is the negative self view. And one of the realities is we all. It's interesting for me reading my journals. We all there are there is stuff about ourselves we really don't like. Where where we tend to see all that is bad and things that, you know, so there, there is a, a deep negative self-view. And one of, the, one of our fears is, and the stronger that negative self-view, the, the more we have to hang on to the phony presenting self. So if you come across people who are very phony, then chances are that what's going on is they have a very strong negative self-view. But for those who are uh, listening to this, around the negative self-view is a very thick line that has got a funny name. It says the phobic layer. And it's kind of the, I don't know if you ever uh, said something to someone that's a little bit negative, whatever, and you have them react like they, and you wonder what's going on there. It's, it's because you're getting to this layer, which is the, the kind of the, the barrier between what you're trying to present and what you fear you are. And often that, that, that line is a really painful line that will cause us to react and be a bit brittle. But what I love about this is, and this is what Brene Brown was trying to communicate too, um, is that at the heart of it, neither the phony self or the negative self are actually who you are, but at the heart of it is your real self or your potential self. There is your, your heart. But in order to get to who you really are, you've got to give up the phony and you've got to get past the negative self-view. Uh, and and I, I find this diagram really helpful. By the way, I'm in here. In, I, don't know if, I don't know if I was going to take this down for a moment. My dog is just rearranging. I was going to say, do I hear the dog? He's rearranging my bed. So, <laughs> and uh, she just made herself comfortable under the doona, which... Um, I'll be dealing with after we finish this podcast. Anyway, uh, there you go. Welcome into the, the my bedroom. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, Emily, have you seen that diagram before? See the diagram? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking to myself, like, I can tell when you get a little bit triggered when someone you know, might say something and you're in your phobic bit. I constantly get paranoid that people don't like me because of a random throwaway comment that probably meant nothing to them but you get into that negative self-talk yeah and, and at the phobic layer um we'll, we'll use different mechanisms to try and distance or protect ourselves so we'll use like humor um sarcasm no, that's yep. not the dog for me, it's something else. We'll use sarcasm or humour and then if that doesn't work, we'll use anger and we'll be confrontational because we want to protect the mask. Um, often that the phony presenting self, we, we talk about as being the masks that we wear in different settings mm. um, and wanting to keep that you know straight and adjusted and we're worried that people will see straight through it. And it, when you see through it, that's when a lot of people have imposter syndrome sort of stuff of... I know as a teenager, I grew up thinking if, if you really get to know me, you're probably not going to like me and you won't want to be my friend sort of thing. So, so then I keep this social this distance. Um, 
to protect myself or what I perceive of myself. But the beautiful thing in this diagram is that neither of those two things are real. Mm. Um, but who God made us to be and who we are currently, the, the real self, this is, this is the vulnerability that, that Rene was talking about. Yeah. Sorry, Matt, is there yeah. more you wanted to say on that area? Yeah, no, I think you at the heart of it. I think I, the great challenge for me is I'm wrestling as, as the pastor of a church is to work out how can I help our people get past the phony and the negative self-view to being real? And it, and it, I think that gets to the heart of what uh, Emily was saying last week. You, you just can't have fellowship uh, from the phony. You can be comfortable in the phony, uh, but you can't have fellowship. You, don't, you won't feel seen or known by anybody. And there's a kind of fellowship you can have uh, where everybody gets together and talks about how bad everyone else is or how bad things are. And if you're coming from the negative... You can kind of find other people to be negative with, but it just is, it's, it produces death. Like that kind of, you're only in the negative. You just don't, you don't find life. But, it, but it's true that there are, there are people who are freer uh, and, are more, and, and are more naturally able to come, I think, from the, the, their heart, I think, a bit more. And, and they, they really serve a, a, an important purpose in our community because I think and I think it's something I've got to keep remembering the more I can be vulnerable the more I actually give permission for others to be vulnerable the more I can I can then help other the more I can be real other people can be real and and really that that's the the most important thing you can do um, is 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 be yourself and and, and not panic too much you sort of got, you've got to be able to allow yourself to hear the negative stuff but not be run by it because you, you can't pretend it's not there because that doesn't help. Um, so, so that's, yeah, I just tend to just say that. Yeah, yeah great. So what, what do you think, I don't, either of you can answer, what do you think is the correlation between um, vulnerability and intimacy? I think that's sort of a key part in this discussion. Um, oh, poor Grace. <laughs> no, that, that's not going to work. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Got to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you can, you can become... I don't think you can have intimacy without vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible. Um, I think you can have a false intimacy where you, where both of you are just acting, you're projecting your home movies on someone else and you, and it feels warm and close and things. But without, without real vulnerability, I don't know that you, you actually can have intimacy. Yeah. I know one comic that I saw a long time ago was that there was um, one person holding up a mask trying to make the other people like this mask and then there was another person holding up a mask trying to make that mask like their mask but it's not possible to build intimacy with masks no. it's, it's, it's a facade you can't build intimacy with the facade um, but 
the other thing I, I it's been important for me to realize and i it, it's also wrong to rip people's oh. masks away because that that negative self-view like it's the best it's their best attempt to survive the the, the phony is their best attempt to do to survive in their context um and 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 it's not it's not healthy but it re but it requires it requires courage on their part like yeah like it just doesn't help and particularly if i'm feeling a bit unconfident and self-conscious and stuff it really doesn't help me to feel just for someone to come up and say you're feeling you're really looking self-conscious yeah. what i love is grace is not self-conscious like she's she's free and i was actually saying on sunday that Human beings sort of end up a little bit like the front, the front butterflies that they we we start free and just sort of express what's in our hearts and, and then we learn to to build a cocoon around ourselves. Yeah, yeah, because Emily, you must see that process in your teaching a lot as you're teaching five year olds. You see them. Basically, um, be socialised into protecting themselves and putting up <coughs> guards. And it's pretty—it's pretty scary to realise that the way you react to something, or the way you help to help them rationalise their thoughts and, like, sort of calm them down, can have a positive or a negative impact that could last forever. And mm. um, yeah, I'm not going to say I get it right every time, but I think it's when you're reflecting back on the situation that you think, wow, or you see somebody else, how they handle a situation, you just think, gosh, we, we really have so much responsibility as teachers, parents, as with these young people because, yeah, they can't properly process their emotions and they need help. Uh, and the way that we help them can cause damage. And that's what we were, I think what Matt was saying on Sunday, like we can, tend to get that freeness beaten out of us. Not physically, hopefully, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so coming back to our passage, it, it's it really is interesting the way Jesus asks the disciples to go out, be vulnerable, be in need, and at the mercy of your hosts. Hmm. Yeah, and and Jesus said. Um, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Hmm. So Jesus knows that it's not safe where he's sending them, and yet he says, go out and be vulnerable and make sure you haven't got big armies around you and bodyguards. Make sure you don't have enough financial capital to keep yourself safe for at least the first few months. Um, yeah. So, Matt, did you want to share any more about that area? Yeah, again, I... Just a, I, I don't have very exciting feelings about this like, because I, I I have to fight the part of me that wants to be safe, uh, that wants to be secure. And not that safety and security is a bad thing. Jesus actually says, look, if you're at risk, it's okay to leave and go somewhere else. Like it's it's okay. You don't have this trust the battle with me. You don't have to fight it yourself. But it but it is I I. Yeah. The, the kingdom comes in the shape of a cross. And, and I, 
and 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 uh, and I think that that truth is one that is is just profound, and it's one that you never get completely comfortable with uh, because dying to yourself is never a natural thing. I don't think. No. I always struggle with that one, like, yeah, with security and safety and stuff like that because, like you said, they aren't bad things, but it's that yeah. cross between living by faith and being responsible with yeah, life decisions and finances and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I think not... you go, Dan. Well, I know, I know a few people who are planting churches and they're basically told, look, we'll pay your salary for the first two or three years while you go and get established because we know that starting a new church is a risky business. It's, um, you know, it's the early little green shoots that need protecting um, in, in planting a new church. And so, so they'll make sure that they are not too vulnerable so that they can make it through. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Not exactly Jesus' way of doing it, but probably probably not a bad thing. <laughs> like I, 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 I don't know if you have to have unnecessary vulnerability. I, but it just, I, I think at the heart of it is it's this question of where is your trust? And, and God doesn't send you, in, like Jesus, one of the criticisms against Jesus was he, he enjoyed life too much. He had went to too many parties. He ate and enjoyed food and drink and too much it's not like he didn't know how to have a good time um but uh this this is the the wrestle I, and i think this at the center of it how how do we help people see jesus it's by them seeing us who we really are with all our strengths and weaknesses and seeing how jesus has really changed our life and whether he's changed our life or not, to the degree he has, uh, that that'll speak. You can't. And he's wow, that's a loud car going past. <laughs> um. So, I, and I, I find interesting that Jesus says, um, you know, brother will betray brother to death. There's, you can't trust your family. Uh, but ultimately, the task is to stand firm, and that, which is exactly what Paul says with the spiritual armor in Ephesians six. That the the whole point of this battle isn't to actually charge and win the battle; it's just to stand firm and trust that God will win the battle. Yeah, and here again, it's interesting because ten ten of the twelve disciples are all killed for what they believe in. Ultimately, they are sheep amongst the wolves and the wolves take them down physically. Um, one, one of the disciples commits suicide early on and the 10 of them die from persecution because they're following Jesus' ministry because they're being Jesus in the world. Um, yeah, there's only one guy who makes it to old age. So that's an that's a interesting... Um, Jesus says, okay, I've shown you how. And then in Matthew 10, he says, right, out you go, guys. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Off, off you go. Hmm. And and then they continue this ministry to the point of being put to death um, for what they believe. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable with that myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Like it's not. It's not the best sales pitch for Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it yes, it has transformed the world. This ministry of this guy and then the twelve that followed him yeah. has it has impacted almost every part of the world. And there's this paradoxical truth in it that Jesus promises that if you're willing to give up your life, you actually find your life. Like it's not it's not like you are losing and losing. You lose to win. Um, like it's, and, and that's it's important to keep that in view with all this of vulnerability. And I think that's what Brene Brown's saying. You, you, at one level, at just a really human level, you you if you lose the security of your invulnerability, you actually gain the ability to have a good life um, and have relationships. If you if you uh, want to remain safe from hurt and pain, you can't actually you can't actually enter into a relationship with a deep level. Yeah. yeah, which is also what no no one says. Um, I don't quite know how to say his name. No one, no one. Yeah, yeah. When he's talking about hospitality. You have to have a mature view of yourself and know who you are. So, and this is what we mean by the real self stuff, so that there can be place for others to find intimacy around you or to find rest. This um, place of hospitality is where others can be comfortable in your presence in the in the space you create. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually ended the message with another quote from Brene Brown about numbing, um, where she says, numbing vulnerability is especially debilitating because it doesn't just deaden the pain of the difficult experiences. Numbing vulnerability also dulls our experiences of love, joy, belonging, creativity, and empathy. We can't selectively numb emotion. Numb the dark and you numb the light. I think is kind of what we're saying. Yeah, that was my takeaway. When I read through it all, I'm like, "That's the quote I remembered." Numb the dark, <laughs> and you numb the light. And I turned to the person next to me and I said, "Yes." And then we said, "If you do that, how do you distinguish between the two? If you never have darkness, how do you know what's dark and what's light? Like we need both, and we can't numb." And yeah, I liked that. Numb the dark, and you numb the light. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we just live in a culture of numbing. Like we, the people we pay the most money to in our culture are the people who help us numb. Uh, the, the movie stars and the, uh, you know, illicit drug dealers and the pornographers and the foodies and the, you know, hot, you know, the holiday things or the TV stars, whatever it is. You help us, you help us avoid reality, and we're going to pay you a lot of money. Mm. Yeah. 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 I guess one question for me that I keep wrestling with, I'd love to hear from people who are listening to this or watching this is 
how do we build a church where it's normal to be vulnerable? Because I also don't think you can worship well without being vulnerable. Yeah. Without opening yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. I even sometimes think to myself, like, I know that Baptists don't tend to raise their hands and everyone worships differently, but I look at somebody who is fully worshipping and they are with God, one with him, and nobody else is around them and their hands are wherever they need to be. And it's not about looking like a Hillsong video, not that there's anything wrong with that, Uh, but I just I look at them with admiration because I think I've grown up in more of a conservative Baptist environment where that's just not considered normal, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I almost... I really, I envy them because I'm like, wow, I just want to stick it up there and, and this is probably about as far as I go. Mm. You know, I'm really, really in worship and liking it if my hands are here, but I just haven't really. <laughs> um, a few moments I just decide, you know what, screw what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to it up there. Mm. But a lot of the time, I don't know, I just am worried about looking stupid. I don't know if it's okay to say that. but Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we've just been talking about is this phobic layer of uh, and in the end you say oh stuff and I'm just going to get it out there and then and then you, even just your own words I don't care what anyone else thinks you know it's, you can see it all at play there how how can you how can we have an environment where we are free to be ourselves and to worship and to open ourselves up to God and to each other but, yeah and I almost put a caveat at the end and stay safe but that's the whole point it's not safe because I'm opening up myself and trusting. And it's clear, like that's what the church is meant to be. It's meant to be a community of people who are real. Mm. Um, And there's not meant to be one person with all the answers or, um, Mm. but I, and and I, this really gets the heart of what I hope, what what I want to do as the leader in the church to try and create that kind of community. And I, I would love people who are listening to this and wrestling with it to, help, to be thinking about what kinds of things can we be doing? What, how, how can I be? Uh, how can I act? But what kinds of things can we be doing to help that be true? Because I don't think it's normal. Because one of the big challenges that I that I don't know how to address is in a church, one of the criticisms is that when I look around the room, everyone looks like they've got it all together. Now, if you ask the church, if you ask the individuals in the church, is that the portrayal you want to give? Is that how you want to present yourself, that you've got it all together and that everything's fine? I think everyone would say, no, I'm not trying to give that impression. I haven't got it all together. Uh, I'm really struggling with these things. But how? Uh, see, I don't want to come. I don't want to walk into church and just unravel everything and show everyone that I haven't got it all together. And because that would be the negative self view that we're talking about. That wouldn't yeah. be the real thing. And so uh, I walk into a church and it looks like we've all got it together, and but we know no one does. Yeah. Um, everyone's got pain and history and regrets, and everyone's carrying all all the stuff that they're carrying but they look together and it, it's, it's quite a tricky one because um, I mean, I, I like the phrase of everyone's, everyone looks normal until you get to know them. Everyone's normal until you get to know them that, that we all have stuff under the surface. But at the same time, I don't want to be a church that 
just looks disheveled and like everyone's a complete failure. So how do we as a church build this atmosphere? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm having, a, currently I'm having goes at it by doing things like this, like having, uh, by doing my best to be as honest as I can be when I preach, although it's not often the best place to be profoundly vulnerable. But um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, We're trying to do these dinners together. We get people together and have dinner together. Um, we're trying to have church camp um, uh, together. Uh, I'm going yeah. to get back to my wife. She's just ringing me. And I'll get back to her a little later. So, Leanne, if you're listening to this, this was the point at which you rang. And anyway, <laughs> um, uh, like I think we're, we're, we're trying some things. Like, I feel like we're trying something to, to head this direction. I, I really, I, I would love the whole church to step into this dilemma and work out how do we do this? Because it, it's not simple and it is risky and it, it may or will hurt a bit when it doesn't go well. You know, mm-hmm. and and there are some people who are going to be harder work than others, and mm-hmm. but, but ultimately, it's where life is. It's where, like C.S. Lewis says, you can keep yourself from love, but the only place that you can keep yourself from from uh, from all the pains of relationship and stuff is hell, because that's the only place where there is no love. Like you, you can't. All relationships cost, and life is much better in relationship. It's much more fun, enjoyable. It's it's yeah. it's much better. Um, but I, I think for many of us, we've learned to put on the armor, and and we sometimes we have a little go at it, and then it doesn't work, so we pull back again. You know, and, and I, I I think this my guess is this is the kind of question we'll come back to and back to and back to on this podcast because for me. This is sort of getting to the core. And I, I think, I think that the core of it is trusting Jesus enough that no matter what other people do, I'm okay. Mm. Like that my trust is in him and not in the other people. I think that's at least part of it. Okay. You're, you're nodding a lot to that bit, Em. Sorry? You're nodding a lot to that bit. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, we really are on our way. Podcasts are a great one. It's definitely vulnerable sitting here. Um, and we have vulnerability in just sharing our family matters because we're a community that want to know what's going on, and that's sharing with people that are online in our community as well as people in person. Church camp's an awesome one. I mean, there's a reason that youth retreats happen, and there's a reason I'm sure Nick Mayo could talk uh, forever about this, that people book camps for schools in term one because it bonds those people together it builds something deeper than the facade that we all carry I mean you have to see each other dirty hungry tired haven't had enough sleep don't wear any makeup all that kind of stuff around and Poetina it's not really any way to massively retreat and I'm not sure because I was there whether or not um, people that were unable to come had a bit of a sense that they missed out on something special and I really hope that anyone that wasn't able to come really makes um pops the dates in the diary early and tries to get there this year because it was a really cool time to all come together particularly with our Nepalese congregation as well as our Lynn Valley Mornington yeah Absolutely. And uh, that was the other thing citywide stories I think that's another really cool way that we're getting vulnerable because and I think that's what I'm 
sensing in what Matt was just saying. It's getting past that seven-minute mark. I keep trying to do that with people. Get past that seven-minute mark in that conversation. You stop the facade stuff that, oh, the weather's good. Yeah, work's good. Yeah, home's good. Yeah, baby's good. And you have to start getting a bit real. And because our citywide stories are around sort of that eight to ten-minute length, we start to see the heart of what that person is trying to say. And I really appreciate that those people take their time to put themselves out there to talk about, you know, stuff that's going on for them. Yeah. We can really just back them as a church. I think that's really important. So we're on the way. But... Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's no quick fixes to intimacy. So it's, it is time. Yeah, if, I, if someone wants to understand what life is like for me, then they'll have to get to know me and it, that costs time. Yeah. yeah. And, and that gets us back to where Jesus sent the boys out to live with people. Yeah. You know, do life with people. Paul would stay in a place for a year and live with them. Yeah. He wouldn't just run a program they came to on a Wednesday night. Mm. You know, he, they would see him when he was waking up in the morning or tired and grumpy or hadn't had a coffee or, you oh. know, whatever it was for him. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think a key too is like, don't give up. I mean, like Matt was saying, it's normal to try it and have a fail because that will happen. And that happened to Jesus too. He faced rejection. But that, yeah, we retreat back in a little bit and we take a bit of time for ourselves. And I've done that. I've gone to a group and I'm like, Sam, I'm so sick of going along and, and everyone seems like they've got it together and I'm trying to be vulnerable and I'm trying to be real and it's just blowing up in my face and I feel so silly compared to all these other people. Um, and I'm sure people feel that way coming to church, coming to life groups. Um, but, and it's okay, I think, to retreat back a little bit, but we have to come back again if we stay yeah. in that retreated place and we use that one experience to define all future experiences, then we are going to hinder ourselves and we're going to hinder our church and we're going to hinder the growth that we want to see in our community with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, I think we'll tie it up there for today. Yeah, it's been good chatting to you. I'm looking forward to chatting to more of you people who, who've been listening just what does it take for us to open up, to be vulnerable, to yeah, to build these relationships, both internally within the church, but, but yeah, also with those outside the church, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear from people as we wrestle with it together. Great. Well, thanks, Grace. Thanks, Em. <laughs> thanks, Matt. All right. All right. We'll see you soon. <laughs>